the Second World War, a podcast by Stephen Bedard. As Germany was putting pressure on Malta, as we saw in our previous episode, they had plenty of other plans. One of those was Operation Barbarossa, the invasion of the Soviet Union. This was where Hitler's heart really was. But before taking on the Soviets, there were a couple of other invasions that needed to be implemented. Ones that went much smoother than what we will soon see with Barbarossa. In April 1941, Germany invaded both Yugoslavia and Greece. We will focus on Yugoslavia in this episode. We should probably say something about Yugoslavia, a country that no longer exists. It actually had not existed for that long before the Germans invaded. If you go back to our episode on the First World War, you will remember that the Great War began with an invasion of Serbia after the assassination of Austrian Archduke Francis Ferdinand. During that war, there were negotiations about the possibility of creating a Yugoslavian state made up of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes. In fact, its official name was the Kingdom of Serbs, Croats, and Slovenes at its creation on the 1st of December 1918. It was a kingdom. Peter I of Serbia was the last king of Serbia and the first king of what we would call Yugoslavia. He would be succeeded at his death by his son Alexander I of Yugoslavia, and he would be succeeded by his son Peter II in 1934, and he would be the last king of Yugoslavia. The king would appoint a prime minister, and they would attempt to hold together the various ethnic groups that tended to always be in conflict. Yugoslavia felt the pressure of German expansionism and knew that they could be the next nation to be occupied. The Yugoslav government attempted to avoid this by signing the Tripartite Pact on the 25th of March, 1941, in which Germany agreed to respect Yugoslavia's sovereignty. That would have been fine, except two days later, there was a military coup and the pro-German government was overthrown. While they did not formally withdraw from the Tripartite Pact, it was clear that they were not pro-Nazi and thus were in danger of being the next victim. About a week later, Germany invaded. This was Fuhrer Directive Number 25, which was issued right after the coup had taken place. It seems as if Hitler took the coup personally He was not going to allow this to take place unanswered, and his response would be swift. Hitler wanted Hungary to participate in the invasion of Yugoslavia, while Germany, now that Austria was absorbed into it, did border Yugoslavia. Hungary also had a significant northern border with Yugoslavia and would be useful. Hungary was part of the Axis, so it seemed like a reasonable ask. Plus, Hitler promised that some of captured Yugoslavia would be given to Hungary. While some in the government, including the military, were in favor of this, the Hungarian Prime Minister, Pal Taleki, opposed this as he wanted to keep Hungary neutral, at least as neutral as possible. His hopes were dashed when German troops entered Hungary on their way to Yugoslavia, and Taleki died by suicide. Hungarian troops did indeed participate in the invasion, and they did receive the promised territory from Hitler. The invasion of Yugoslavia was known as the April War since it began and was concluded in April. The Yugoslavian forces included 33 army divisions, 4 air brigades, and a small navy. 
While they had some modern equipment, much of what they did have was from the time of the First World War. Even with older supplies, there was not enough to equip all of their frontline troops. All of this would have been bad enough, but then there was also the ethnic tensions. The coup that had overthrown the previous government was Serbian-led. Croats and Slovenes were not willing to fight for what would become a Serbian nation. Against this mess was an Axis force that had honed its skill in quickly invading and occupying other nations. The invasion began on the 6th of April, 1941. The Luftwaffe spearheaded the invasion by bombing Belgrade, as well as the airfields of the Yugoslavian Air Force. Along with this was the advance of the German 14th Panzer Corps just two days later. This was followed by the 41st Panzer Corps from Romania and the 46th Panzer Corps from Hungary. Infantry entered into Yugoslavia through the former Austria. On the 11th of April, Italian and Hungarian troops entered Yugoslavia, meeting almost no resistance. By the 12th of April, German troops had taken Belgrade. What we need to remember is that what was happening in Yugoslavia was part of a larger conflict that included the Axis invasion of Greece. A plan had been established that if faced with an overwhelming enemy force, that they would retreat to the south to link up with the Greek and Allied forces to establish a new front. This included an attack on the Italian-occupied Albania that separated Yugoslavia and Greece in the west. While the Yugoslavian troops made good progress at first, they were eventually stopped by the appearance of German troops. There were Croatian units in the Yugoslavian army, but as already mentioned, the tensions between the Croats and the Serbs was extremely high. Some Croatian units removed their Serbian officers and refused to fight the Germans. Days after the invasion, the independent state of Croatia was proclaimed. This was a puppet state of the Axis powers and was in cooperation with them against the Serbs. The Yugoslavian cause was hopeless. By the 14th of April, the Yugoslavian forces were attempting to negotiate an armistice. The Germans made it clear that this could happen only with an unconditional surrender. On the 17th of April, an armistice was signed, coming into effect on the 18th of April. The defeat of Yugoslavia took less than two weeks. This episode will return after this break. I was recently introduced to Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, and it contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It costs you less than $3 a day, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. 
To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com emerging to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. So what happened next? Well, King Peter II arrived in London to join other governments in exile whose nations had been occupied by the Axis. Unfortunately, it was a club that was only getting bigger. As already mentioned, the independent state of Croatia was established and was led by Antij Pavlic. This was not a reluctant government that only existed to provide a sense of peace for the occupied peoples. This was one of the most violent and evil regimes, not just of this era, but in general. They put into place a policy of genocide against the Serbs, Jews, and Roma. You might think the Germans would be happy about this, but there actually exists reports by the Gestapo to Himmler expressing concern about the level of violence by the Croatian regime. One of the reasons for the German concern was the extreme cruelty against civilians was only encouraging the resistant groups in Yugoslavia. Draza Mihailovic, who had been a colonel in the Yugoslav army, took what he could and prepared for resistance in the mountains. Now a general, his forces became known as the Chetniks. Uprisings against the German occupiers began in July of 1941. But Mihailovic was not the only one to take a stand against the German occupiers. Enter Joseph Broz, better known as Tito. Whereas Mihailovic was a Serb, Tito's father was a Croat and mother was a Slovene. If the Croats were collaborating with the Axis, why would Tito resist? Along with his ethnic heritage, Tito was also a committed communist. He even participated in the 1917 Russian Revolution. Tito was actively involved with the communists in Yugoslavia. While opposing the Nazi occupation, they did not actively fight against the independent state of Croatia for as long as the non-aggression pact existed between Germany and the Soviet Union. But when the Germans invaded the Soviet Union on the 22nd of June 1941, they were freed up to rise up against the new regime. In fact, there was an uprising of Croatian communists on the very day of the invasion. The communist force under Tito's command is known as the Partisans. The first uprising led by Tito took place on the 4th of July in Serbia, and this was the origin of a long-standing holiday known as Fighters' Day. The Partisans used guerrilla tactics against the Axis with great effect. The Partisans enjoyed unprecedented success in this ethnically diverse area because their rallying point was not ethnicity, but ideology. Serbs and Croats, who were communists, were willing to put aside ethnic hatred for the sake of their communist resistance to fascism. The challenge for both the Chetniks and the Partisans was the access policy to these uprisings. In order to prevent these uprisings, the Germans made it known that they would execute 100 civilians for every German soldier killed and 50 for every soldier wounded. At first, the Chetniks and the Partisans worked together in their resistance against the Axis. There were even meetings in September and October between Mihailovic and Tito in which 
some type of merger was discussed, although rejected by Mihailovich. Mihailovich claimed to be concerned about the reprisals against the civilians, and indeed thousands of Serb civilians were being executed by both the Germans and the Croats. Eventually, eventually, Mihailovich saw the partisans as the enemy, since their actions were costing Serbian lives. This led to a Chetnik attack on a partisan headquarters, which was driven back by the partisans. There would be numerous truces between the two, but they would always break down, and it would become impossible for them to be united front against the Axis. It should be noted that it was the Chetniks who were supported by Peter II in London as well as the British. The Chetniks, as a Serbian royalist movement, began to have friendly relations with the Government of National Salvation. This was a Serbian puppet government that was established in August 1941, although it did not enjoy the same level of independence as the Croatian puppet state. The relationship between the Chetniks and this puppet government would hint at the future of the Chetnik movement. We will leave things here for now, and we'll look at what happens next in Yugoslavia in a future episode. But I want to simply comment that what we have looked at gives some of the context of what happened during the breakup of Yugoslavia in the 1990s and the acts of genocide and ethnic cleansing that took place. It looks as if Tito was the only one who had the ability to hold that diverse nation together. And with his death, things not only fell apart, but long-standing ethnic hatred erupted. As we look at what happened during the Second World War, whether in Germany or Yugoslavia, we need to remember that genocide is not ancient history, but continues as we've seen in recent decades. Thank you for listening to this episode. Please visit me at stephenjbedard.com slash secondworldwar. Also, consider supporting me on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash hopesreason. Even $1 a month, less than a cup of coffee, will help keep this podcast going. Please find me on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you and God bless.